Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writers Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hey, writers, you are going to love today's episode because I interview screenwriter Matias Caruso, who lives in Argentina. Matias taught himself English and how to write screenplays. And after writing and working hard to develop his craft, he wrote an absolutely stunning script called Carnival that won the Page Awards Grand Prize in 2014. After his win, Carnival was optioned by a page judge and he was signed by an agent. He has continues to live in Argentina and although he never moved to the United States, he's had a couple movies made, including Mayhem and Witch. Matias Caruso, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be here. You are currently in Argentina. That's right. How is the weather there? It should be summer here, but for some reason, today we're having a winter day. Really? It raining? Yeah. Uh, not raining, but it's cold, like jacket cold, <laughs> which is yes. weird. Yeah, super weird. And in LA currently, we are jacket cold, which I know everybody across the United States laughs at us, but it is, it is a little chilly here. So, And by the way, this just isn't random talk. I love talking about the weather. I don't know. It's just something weird about me. I love knowing what's going on with the weather. So could you please give us some background and how you got into screenwriting? You started as a lawyer, correct? Yeah, that's right. I went to law school. I got my degree and I started working in a law firm. And I kept that going for a few years and until I, this is quite cliche, but I ended up being like a cubicle rat, you know, trapped inside the office all day. It was super soul crushing. But I stayed there a bit because I didn't have anywhere to go because I knew that law wasn't my calling. What yeah. type of law was it? Mostly commercial, commercial mm -hmm. law, I think you call it. But you had to, to be a bit of a Swiss knife because a partner will, will come in and, and throw a, a file over your desk and you had to take care of that, whatever it was. I did a little bit of everything, but mostly commercial law. I always liked movies, but what changed everything was when by accident I discovered that Screenwriting was a thing. I didn't know that movies were were written first. Because As a kid, you thought that maybe the actors were coming up with the lines. Yeah, totally. Like I, I thought the director would would say like, "Yeah, put an explosion over there." You say this thing, you do this other thing. I mean, here sometimes people ask me what I do, and when I tell them, they don't know what screenwriting is. Oh, that's so interesting. It's not like writing novels or poetry or, or it's, it's not very well known. Some people do know, but others like, they, they ask you that. And what is that? Like, do you write just the dialogue lines or the questions like that? They, they don't know. 
yeah, it, it's it's easy to get confused. Yeah. So you were a lawyer, and you kind of weren't fulfilled by the work. Yeah, I was wearing the suit all day with the tie around my oh. neck, like like a <laughs> What saved me was that I discovered that this was a career. This currently was a career, and for the first time in my life, there's something I wanted to do that I liked, and so I I kept the job because I I needed to pay the bills somehow. Right. Uh, but in the meantime, and I went into sponge mode and I started reading books and listening to podcasts like this one and reading scripts. I mean, I was on my commute to work and from work. I was always reading a screenwriting book or listening to a screenwriting podcast. I mean... And so you dived in. I dived in. Uh, basically, I was devoting like... 90% of, of my free time into learning this. The thing is, like, my free time wasn't a lot because in the law firm, I was working from sunrise to sunset, more or less. Uh, I think you, during US, you, you usually speak about the 9 to 5. Um, yes. Here, it was 9 to 7. And in your factoring, the trip to downtown and back, it was right. 8 to 8. To eight. I didn't have much time, so I, I needed to do something in order to to really dive in. And what I did was I quit the profession and I took a part-time job as a cashier at a restaurant that was the night shift. I kept paying the bills with that, and during the day, I had all the day free in order to write. And how did your family and friends and your coworkers feel? Were they all supportive? Did you get some lectures? <laughs> there were different reactions. My family, yes, they were supportive. Having in mind that it wasn't like I finished high school and I said I want to want I want to be an artist because in that case they wouldn't have been so supportive. Mm. Um, because I mean it's it's a tough proposition. I mean making a living in something art-related, it's very, very hard. But what happened is I did choose traditional career. I read all the books. I set for all the exams. I got a degree. I worked for it. And they noticed that I wasn't happy. It was tearing me apart. So when I quit, they were super happy that I stopped being a lawyer to be a cashier, but they were very understanding because I needed that change. And they knew it. They were, they were supportive. That's great. I'm really glad your family supported you. I mean, you were going to do it no matter what. Yeah, but I had to. so much better with support. Of course. And my coworkers were, it was a little bit split. It depends what kind of coworker, because the senior lawyers couldn't possibly understand what was throwing my career away. <laughs> there was yeah. one that told me, yeah, I mean, you need to come back. You were a good lawyer to do this. Some of them thought I was crazy. And the younger lawyers and the paralegals were like, I was there. Suddenly, I was the, their idol because I, went, I was throwing the chain in the wind and, and rebelling against the system. And of course, they were younger and they were more open to bad examples. So That's great. <laughs> they, yeah, they took it well. Yeah, they were very supportive. So when I started working on the restaurant, what really helped me was that I had a lot more free time in order to to polish my yeah, craft, to, yes. to write more scripts, to, and 
very little by little, I started selling some things. At first, there were shirts, then features, and at what point I, I quit the restaurant and started working full time. But from the day I discovered that screenwriting was a career and I wanted that, to the day I actually started making a living at it, 11 years passed. So it was a very long journey. I, I sum it up very quickly, but it was 11 years. I really admire your strength and fortitude. We have your talent from that. I read that you read bad reviews of your films so you can pinpoint which criticisms lie to the script to learn a few lessons and grow as a writer. Are you a superhuman being? That what a great way to approach your bad reviews. Have I, you learned from bad reviews? Yes, I wish I was a superhuman being, but yeah, it, it still hurts when you read a bad review of, or any criticism of your work because obviously you give your best and then you see that your best has flaws. I'm, I'm always open to feedback. I mean, even if there's a mean review online or something, I, I just ignore the jobs and get to the meat of it. And if I can learn something, I, I'm always open to, to take it. Good. It's, it's not that I read all the bad reviews, but I mean, I read three, four, five. And when I start seeing a pattern that repeats, and I think I pinpointed the main problem, then I can stop. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's very hard to be objective about your own work because you created it and it's like trying to look at yourself in the mirror but without a mirror so that's why i think that feedback is so important i mean in the script stage i always ask for feedback and it helps me a lot and once a movie comes out i'm also interested in hearing feedback from reviewers from whoever can you Please tell us what happened with your page award-winning script, Carnival. It was optioned by a producer that I met through the contest. And this producer, he had feedback, he had notes. We did a lot, a lot of drafts. And when it was ready, he took it to the main agencies. These agencies started reading the script in order to match it with a, a director of the roster. And they also noticed that I had a manager at the time but I didn't have an agent. So I got meetings with all the main agencies. And Great. You met with all the major agencies. What did you yeah. look for? What did you look for when you wanted an agent? Was there certain things you were looking for? That, that was a factor, but when you talk to an agent or a manager and you're considering signing, signing with them, you're thinking of, a, of your career as a whole. I mean, that includes the current script, but you're also thinking on what they can do for you long-term. I focus more on the bigger ones because they have more reach, mm -hmm. have more, more information about what jobs are floating around. But there's not much you can do. You need to feel them, how you jive on the call or on the Zoom. That's also important. How do you feel about the particular rep? The company is one thing, but the manager or agent that's going to rep you, it's another thing. Now, if I find a rep, I stick with them for the rest of my career, correct? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. He used to think exactly the same. Before having my first rep, 
I it was my dream that I would find one and never let go, you know? Um, but no, it's not like that. I mean, every rep writer I know, they are not with their first manager or first agent. They all have been shifting around quite a bit. I, I'm now my fourth manager and my second set of agents. And every now and then, you find someone who, you hear some veteran writer who met his manager like 20 years ago and they're still with them. It can happen, just like it can happen that someone married their high school sweetheart. But right. it's the it's exception, not the rule. I wanted to talk about Mayhem, your movie Mayhem. It's such a fun, wild ride. How did you come up with that idea? And what was the writing process like? Can you tell us about Mayhem? Yeah, sure. I told you the background already that, that inspired it. I, I was a lawyer working full-time. I hated my job. <laughs> I hated my life. <laughs> and I wanted to write about that. But I, it, that was something that's important to me, but that's something that people would pay money to, to watch. You wanted to talk about the politics of a workplace? Exactly, the backstabbing and, and how does it feel to be chapter and be miserable. And, yeah. But that, that's something very personal and that it was important to me, but it, it wouldn't necessarily be something important to a wide audience. Right. And it was in the back of my mind for some time and until I figured out the, the sci-fi angles, so to speak. Um, it was this virus that, that makes people more violent, more susceptible to their basic instincts. So suddenly I had an idea in which I had everything that was I was so passionate about. I have the office politics and, and this guy that was trapped in there. Um, but I also have a virus that makes people violent and I have action scenes and I have suspense and that was when I figured, okay, this could be a movie. So what? What a great idea to layer the virus over the office politics. You knew your strength. Uh, did you have fun writing it? Because it sounds like a fun script to write. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I pick things right from my experience. Obviously, in the movie everything is, is exaggerated, but. I, I had some fun picking some experiences from my own work. Um, yeah, and it's something pretty universal. I mean, um, if you talk to the director of the movie and you ask him why did you respond to that script, he has a very similar story. He was also trapped in some cubicle job, and when this script landed on his desk, he felt so identified with the situation. It's something that many people go through. That's the fun part. I mean, it was also fun creating all the virus and the rules and how does it work and, and the action scenes. But the core, I, I was very passionate about the, what the character was feeling. And I think that's why this was the, the first script that got me noticed. Because before this, I, I don't have anything. This is the, the script that got me my first contest win, very, even before page. Mm -hmm. uh, he got me a honorable mention in another contest and my first manager. Oh, congratulations um, on that. And I, I think we can see it streaming in the United States. I think it's on Sling currently or probably Amazon Prime. Yeah, so I go think. Go watch it. 
Yeah, I think it's an Amazon Prime. I can't watch it from here because it's not available. It's in mm-hmm. Amazon, but not a subscription service, but the other one when you pay for each movie individually. Right, right, yeah. Hey, can you share the best screenwriting advice that you were given and the best screenwriting advice yeah. you ever read? I can't recall who told me. It's quite cliche, so I'm guessing the listeners of this podcast the podcast already heard this, but yeah, I still think it's one of the, the best pieces of advice. Someone told me it's a marathon, not a sprint, which is a good mentality to have uh, because it, it happened to me as well. I mean, sometimes as, as aspiring writers, you are very eager to get to that first break, that first thing, that first sale or that first mm-hmm. agent or whatever. And instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to write this script in order to sell it or in order to get a manager. What you should be thinking is, I'm going to devote five years of my, of my life in order to study and get better at, at a career that's one of the most difficult in the world. I think that's the, the right mentality. Not, not thinking about one script or your next script, but thinking as your career as a whole. I mean, yes. be ready to accept that your first maybe 10 screenplays won't earn you any money, but they won't earn you experience. I think that's the right mentality to have. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, if you have the right mentality, everything stems from that. All all good habits uh, fan out from from that core principle. If you are very eager and too hurried to, to get to that first break, then you won't put in the necessary work in order to, to get better. And you have to like it because this is, it's, since it's just a long road, yeah, that's the best I heard. And the best I read, I can't pinpoint one piece yeah. of advice. I have one website to recommend. Uh, it's called wordplayer.com and it's run by Terry Rossio. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm going to put a link in our show notes. Yeah. When I started out, it was there. So, and what they have is they have a columns section. And Terry Rossio writes many columns. And in each column, he tackles one aspect of the craft and sometimes the business. Yes. Um, It's a bit dated right now since the, the site is so old, but. I still think that's one of the best things that an aspiring screenwriter can, can read. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Terry was one of the first successful writers to kind of get out there and start rolling up his sleeves and giving back mm-hmm. to the writing community. Yeah, he did. Is there anything that he said, or did you just want to point out the website for people to check? The, yeah, I mean, all the columns are great, but the ones uh, he talks about the craft, they are very specific and he tackles some specific issues that you don't see usually in screenwriting books. I mean, there are good screenwriting books out there, that uh, at least that I liked, but they give you general guidelines and yes. Terry goes really specific. Yes. Like he has a column that talks about point of view, for example. He even does this analogy, like this metaphor of, he says that when you're writing a script, 
you had to imagine a, a parrot. This parrot has a has a camera strapped under its belly. So when you read in a scene about your protagonist, the parrot is flying over there, uh, shooting the, the the scene with his cam. He calls he calls the the parrot cam. And when you when you catch away to another character that's not the protagonist, the parrot must fly over there to capture that scene. And what he says is that you need a parrot that's well rested, that you can have your parrot flying around all over the place. He's the first one that introduced me to the concept of the point of view restriction, you know, that you have a protagonist and you make sure he's likable. And once you have that and your audience, your reader are rooting for your protagonist and they care about their goal, you need to, to stick with the protagonist. But if you, if you introduce your protagonist and then you go around spend time with other characters that have nothing to do, like the reader, the reader is going to start thinking like, what am, why am I seeing this? What does it have to do? Yeah. It's a temptation because if you can write scenes from everyone's point of view, it's easier to, to, to write the exposition, to explain the rules and everything, but mm-hmm. you, you need to keep track that your reader cares about your protagonist. So that's why you need a, a parrot that that's well rested and not flying around too much. But obviously, if you read the column, Terry explains explain it much better than me. Um, I I really like that, and I think we found the title of the episode is to the well rested parrot. I like the parrot. That. <laughs> the parrot <laughs> hey, any thoughts for screenwriters breaking into the business, especially those not living in LA? Do you have any final thoughts or anything you can share? If you come home to LA and if you want to do it, I think it's it's an advantage, but it's not a requisite. I've been working full time as a writer for like six, seven years, maybe. Um, I can do it from outside LA, so it's, it's not a requisite. I don't know if you, if you want to write Marvel movies and Star Wars movies and be a super high-end screenwriter, maybe the requisites are different for, for that point. I don't know. But as a middle-class screenwriter, I mean, you can do it from anywhere in the world. Yes. If you do move, I mean, if you do move, you, we will have more networking opportunities. And of course, it's, it's better. But my advice would be don't move until you until you have a certain level of, of skill. I mean, in order to write one screenplay, one good screenplay, first you need to write like 20 bad ones or 15 or 10. It depends on the writer. Mm-hmm. But writing, getting all those bad specs out of your system, it takes time. So that's more important than to LA. I mean, because sometimes I hear uh, of writers that they, they are starting out and they move and they go to LA and maybe in LA everything's more expensive than their hometown. And so they need to get a, a job that, that they work more hours and they are spending less time writing. So, so yeah, that, that's my advice. I mean, if you Great. can do it and you want to do it, it's an advantage, not a requisite, but first, be sure you, to get to that point where you have a, a minimum level of, of skill and experience. Right. 
thank you so much for answering all those questions, but I have one more thing for you. Okay. Would you like to play a quick round of raindrops? What's that? Raindrops is a fast-paced Q&A with questions only a writer can answer, and you have a minute to answer 15 questions. Okay. I can play on, on one condition. If I suck, you promise to edit it out. <laughs> okay. It's a okay. deal. Okay. okay I'm going to okay. set the timer. When writing, music on or off? On. If you're reading a hard copy of a script, one brad or two? I don't care. <laughs> Whiteboard or legal pad? Um, none of them. Favorite snack while writing? Coffee. Do you come up with a script title at the beginning or the end? Whenever I can. Writing at home, PJs, sweats, or clothes? Um, PJs. How do you choose the name of a character? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Research or wing it? Research. Looking for the right word, you go to the thesaurus or go to bed and wait for the word to come to you? I wait for it to come to me. Writer's block, real or fake? Fake. Favorite time to write, day or night? Whenever I can. You did great. You did I, so good. I made um, it. Oh, cool. No, well, you didn't, you didn't make it all the way, but you got okay. real close. You got oh. 12 questions. So that's oh, great. Um, I was missing three. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending this time with us. And there's so much creativity in the world. And we're so lucky that we can I'm, all be a part of it. I, I'm so lucky that Hollywood is making my crazy thoughts and dreams. <laughs> I'm the lucky one, really. But thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Verne. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.